For those of you listening in for the first time or are new to the She Sells 2 network, we are Jenny and Ellen and we started She Sells 2 to empower women in sales. In this cross-Atlantic podcast with Ellen in Dublin and Jenny in Toronto, we're looking to empower women out there in sales to be their absolute best. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, tips and tricks, best practices, and the learnings we're getting along the way. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new She Sells 2 podcast episode. I'm sitting here today with my dear She Sells 2 teammates, Ellen and Elle. Uh, Welcome, guys. Hey, good to see you, girls. Hey, good to chat again. So excited to record this podcast with you both. It's been six months, can you believe it, since we did this uh, last time. And yeah, just to kick us off with something light, like what, where are you guys right now? Well, so I'm in Dublin at the moment. I've been back for about a month now. I was home in Sweden for a while for my sister's wedding before that, which was very exciting. Um, But I won't stay for too long. I actually have for the first year since I moved to Dublin, I have like three consecutive weeks of vacation planned in. So flying away to Greece end of July, which I'm super excited about. So yeah, just feeling like the summer vibes are hitting me completely. Nice. And I'm also in Dublin. Um, HubSpot actually gave everyone the week off. So I'm currently enjoying that and it's absolutely phenomenal. And then aside from that, just, I think, enjoy the Irish summer, potentially get away September, October time, hopefully when things uh, are more open back up. That sounds so nice. I know that Ellen and I uh, were talking about this a little little bit the other day, just the fact that that you're taking the first vacation of three weeks for, for, I think, since you started working in tech. Uh, And it made me think about that it's something that, we just haven't done versus people back in Sweden laugh at us and say like, oh, we do this every year. So yeah, it's um, it's something that we're going to touch on later in this episode as well. Just like the fact to like, and the importance uh, of, of taking some time off and actually just allowing yourself to relax. I'm happy that to hear that the HubSpot, HubSpot has initiatives like that as well, Elle. Um, for myself, uh, we actually have a really, hopefully, um, we have and we get away to our road trip, which we're we're going across to Vancouver, uh, Connor and I, so my partner and I, um, in August, and we're going to drive from Vancouver through the Rocky Mountains uh, for ten days. So I really, really hope we get to do that because you never know with COVID. So I'm not going to jinx it, but that's uh, that's my summer plans. That does sound very exciting, and I like I've seen some pictures from Vancouver and the west of Canada, and. God, it looks gorgeous. Like I expect a whole lot of snapshots and pictures from you when you're there. I promise. Uh, but girls, uh, interesting now, like it's six months ago now since we last, not last spoke, but since we last had one of these recordings, what would you say is like the best versus the worst thing that had happened to you throughout the year? I'd say in terms of the best, I actually went through a pretty big life event in that I moved in by myself, which is something I have never done before. So I've rented for the last 10 years and lived with a bunch of different friends and it's been phenomenal and so much fun. Um, and then this year I decided to take the plunge and move in by myself. And I I honestly absolutely love it. Um, it definitely comes with ups and downs, but I think you learn so much about yourself and it's so important to be comfortable 
by yourself, you know, at some stage in your life. So uh, I definitely love it and definitely something I'd recommend and be great to get your thoughts on the situation too. Yeah, I'm curious to, to know just more because you're one of the most social people that I know. So how, how are you balancing like not having a roommate anymore, staying at home by yourself, but also working from home? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like sometimes you need to be cautious to be careful with your time. So not dedicating every single waking moment to work and just developing good habits. And I know we speak about habits a lot on this podcast. So getting up and going out for a run, getting fresh air, um, and also just being able to bookmark your day. So finishing up work. And for me, it's just cooking a nice meal and then going up for a quick walk along the canal here in Dublin and popping into various friends along the way. Sometimes, you know, it can get a bit much, but you just need to be uh, cautious that if you're in a stressful place with work to, again, just bookmark the day and then get out. Um, but it's so nice just just having your own space. I completely get that. And it sounds like from everything I hear, it's just like the completely right move. So I'm really happy for you. Yeah, uh, thank you. How about you, Ellen? Well, the best thing I have to say was probably that I was able to go back to Sweden. Um, early May and actually attend my sister's wedding. Uh, it was a very small wedding due to COVID just on the docks um, by the ocean with the closest family and relatives. Um, but I'm so grateful, you know, just that I was able to attend uh, due to Corona and everything. You don't know how easy it's going to be to travel uh, to get home safely. Uh, but I was able to be there, watch the ceremony, hug my sister afterwards, and it felt absolutely amazing. So definitely one of the best things that happened to me this year. Um, and also being able to be home for a whole month to see the family and my little niece um, for her one year birthday party. Oh, I love that. It's uh, it's very similar to mine. I think when we recorded uh, a podcast last time, I was kind of in this like situation where I couldn't actually physically leave Canada without my visa. So that was definitely like one of the hardest things I've gone through. and that whole situation was resolved uh, in around April. And I was able to go home, see my family, and spend uh, more than a month there as well with them. And I really just did feel like I refilled that quota of just like family time, like hugs, you know, just spending time in Sweden. Uh, and now I'm back in Canada. And yeah, from my end, I think professionally as well, I, I actually, and for everyone who doesn't really know this, uh, I, I left Slack and uh, pursued a new career with Pinterest so that's that's a big big step for me as well no that's absolutely amazing Jenny and so exciting that you started in Pinterest I think for me at least Pinterest is this up-and-coming company that in the beginning you didn't know anyone that was working there and now you do hear more and more about people going from very big corporations to Pinterest um, so very exciting to see and how has your first time in Pinterest been? Honestly, it's been absolutely amazing. I um, It's been overwhelming in a lot of senses that I was one of the people at Slack who helped onboard people remote versus going from being someone who helps people onboard remote to being the person who onboards remote. I would say that that was for any company and maybe I know we spoke a little bit about this with Elle as well, onboarding remote with HubSpot, but it is something that obviously I've never experienced before. And it is definitely something you have to be very humble with yourself and not push yourself too hard. 
because there is so many things that I feel like you would pick up from a natural office environment. But currently, it's just like you have to reach out to someone actively with every single question or you have to set up a coffee chat actively with one to ones with every single person. So I think that has been like my biggest challenge from coming uh, from onboarding previously. Like it's always been this very social event to kind of being something where you you really have to like keep an eye on your calendar and make sure that you like put time in with people. And but like seeing that, like they made it so easy for me to to get integrated. The culture is fantastic. And I'm not trying to sell Pinterest here to anyone, but it is uh, it's been a really, really good onboarding experience. That's amazing. And how did you find the the move from SaaS back to AdTech? Oh, I I know Ellen and I actually spoke about this a little bit at the university that we spoke at a few months ago, but the it's been two different worlds. So when I left Adderall, obviously I had been in ad tech, was kind of going into to SaaS and I wasn't sure what that was going to look like uh, from a selling perspective, like how long are the sales cycles and so forth. And I think going back into ad tech, it really is like that has proven to me that it probably is like the biggest difference for me and the observations that I've done is just like the fact that like everything moves so quickly in ad tech. So it's just like a, an advertiser could, you know, pause their campaigns tomorrow or they could start new campaigns today. And there is issues that occur that you have to action on right now versus in SaaS sales is a lot more. And I'm talking very, very high level things here, but it's more for SaaS. It's like, how can we talk to this one point of contact, which might lead us to this point of contact? And then we can like network around there. So we might close this deal in three, six, nine months. And I think that that is one of the things that I really had to learn. Like, what do I thrive on? Like, do I thrive on like these like quick, like everyday things are happening, you have to act on it fast, or do I thrive on something like building something slower, bigger? Uh, and for my part, it's the former there, like where I just find myself like thriving uh, every day now, which is really exciting. That's so good. And such an interesting comparison as well. And again, I think we've highlighted this during our talks to universities in podcasts and articles that it's very important to try to figure out what you like and what kind of industry you can see yourself in when applying for jobs because sell selling in tech is going to be like meaning very different things depending on if it's uh, tech SaaS or other kind of um, tech as well and i'm curious just to hear from your perspective ellen when you left Adderall and moved into Google, did you see a big difference in the way of working and selling cycles? I know you changed roles from AE to AM as well, but just in terms of how the company operates? Good question. Uh, I think my major observation was probably like moving from being AE, uh, closing deals all the time to being an account manager. Of course, it was so much more about nurturing. So I think I had to change my mindset a bit from doing quick sales and try to close deal to really, you know, be patient, nurtured in relationships and bide my time, like not trying to sell something for the sake of it, but really make sure that it was going to be good in the long term and maybe wait until it was a better timing three months down the line. So I think patience and the relationship nurturing was really an, a different, like, way for me of working, but something that I realized that I actually appreciate a lot more and that I thrive more on it. 
That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, that's something that I'm currently in the position of learning, just like at the face of being seven weeks in with a new company and also having moved from an AE position to an AM position. Um, I'm curious as well, like Elle, um, looking at your, how many months in now with HubSpot? So I actually celebrated my year anniversary on Monday, which is crazy. Yeah, 12 wow. months in. Yeah. Wow. Time definitely flies. I know it's it's crazy and it goes super quick in HubSpot with it. We spoke about this a lot before with it being monthly targets, which was definitely a huge transition for me from Avril, which was quarterly targets. Definitely very, very fast paced um, and you need to be super quick. So there's a lot of similarities, I think, in terms of our roles here as me as AE and then 2AMs. We're not as focused on the nurture piece, but it's still so important because they go hand in hand in order for us all to be successful. Absolutely. And for from my perspective, like I, I'm, I worked with monthly targets before at Slack and it is something that someone called it, I think keeping an even drum beat basically, but it's also like, as we've spoken about before, that works very well when you're doing very well, but it's also situations where if you miss target, then you kind of feel like there's like a buildup for the next month already versus having quarterly targets. Potentially you have a little bit more of a leeway, like I had a bad month, but I can still make up for it. Um, is that something that you like felt throughout your time at HubSpot or how are, how do you look at monthly targets now after a year in? Yeah, so um, very interesting question. So when I first started in HubSpot, um, truthfully, I had a really, really successful probation. So I was on probation for five months. I hit every single month, month six I hit. And to be honest, I actually felt completely invincible. And I thought, you know, I know the product, I know how to sell it, I, I'm good on the phone. And over the last six months, I've actually gone through a new period of relearning in that I went through a big lull and I was missing month after month. And honestly, it was getting really frustrating. And I remember openly talking about how I felt that my, for, my performance perhaps reflected someone that maybe only worked two or three hours a day, but I was doing eight or nine hours a day. And it was really tough. But my biggest learning was that no salesperson is going to have a phenomenal sales journey. And sometimes when you're listening to podcasts and listening to books, you can be fooled to think that that is the, the course that everyone takes. But it's actually during this lull period that you arguably become a salesperson and the best salesperson because you learn so much. And I talked to some of the top people in HubSpot and loads of them were on the dreaded performance plan and they just looked at ways to better themselves. So if anyone listening today is going through that period, what I'd actually recommend doing is, you know, not looking at macroeconomic factors or blaming COVID. And actually, I actually started re-listening to all of my calls, listening or having my manager join the calls. I'd role play around my apartment and I'm actually really starting to see the success now and building up that confidence. But I had serious imposter syndrome and my confidence was on the floor. But now it's starting to pay off and I feel so much better for it. And I think it's really important that we talk about it, that we're not invincible as salespeople and our confidence can be knocked. I wonder if either of you girls ever gone through that period before that your confidence was kind of on the floor. 
Well, I definitely had that one when we went through our perf cycle. I think it was in March this year. And for those not speaking the Google lingo, perf is simply like a performance review that we do like on a yearly basis and a mid-cycle basis. And during this period, like everyone has to write about themselves, what they have achieved, put numbers to their stories and so on. And um, during this time, I got very challenged by my managers because they wanted me to really step up and show the job I had been doing. And their way of challenging me was that they knew to like hit my tough buttons. So they were like, well, if this is what you say that you've been doing, it sounds a lot like a PA could have done this. Like, what did you do more than just being a personal assistant and coordinating meetings? And like they meant this in the best possible way, but obviously that hit my buttons because I felt so inadequate. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm that, like, I've done so much work. How can you not see this? And I went through like a really challenging month there, trying to really prove my worth, um, showing my numbers, really highlighting my contribution to my team and to my clients. And I learned a whole lot from it. I learned how it could help with just changing my language when I spoke about um, my work. Um, it could mean that I should add more numbers to it or really like strengthen the things that I was saying. Uh, but it was very, very challenging to hear those kind of words because I realized that I do take things very personally uh, when I hear something like that. And I hear, you know, someone saying that me as a person like is really bad at what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I think March, April was really, really challenging for me there. And it's interesting, and thank you both for sharing. Like it's uh, these things are so important that everyone talks about, and like in any profession, I'd say, um, and especially in sales because it can be very stressful. And one thing that I hear from from what you said there, Ellen, is that that wasn't about the feedback you got wasn't necessarily about your actual performance and what you did on an everyday basis. It's about how we don't talk about it and we don't really present it uh, and sometimes hold back on like, you know, talking about the great things we've done. Uh, and I think that it's, it's a great learning to actually being pushed on that and not every time being, you know, like, oh yeah, I sold all the work you did, but so you don't have to put it in this report. But instead it's actually like questions from you, like, higher levels are going to see this, you need to start speaking up for yourself, which I really think is like, it's a good trait from your managers. Yeah, no, it really helped me. And we, I know that we have another perp cycle coming up in September and already now, like I've started to write down my cases, I've been gathering numbers and now I can go very confidently into a meeting saying to my manager exactly what I have done how awesome that was and why I deserve a super good rating. So like it did give me a lot of confidence, but it had to be like a bit of a up and down slope there before I got there. Um, but something like I do want to highlight as well when it comes to stress, pressure, performance, anxiety, and so on would be to be very mindful of your health as well. Um, and that's like something I haven't had a chance to tell you girls yet. Cause like I've had some like, quite calm months now in that I've been a bit calmer myself, but I did actually have to go and see a doctor a couple of weeks ago because I woke up several nights during one week feeling that I couldn't breathe, like feeling very tightness over my chest. Um, and I got really worried, so I couldn't even sleep. And then I went to the doctors because I was a bit worried that maybe would be some long-term COVID effects as I had COVID last year, but they checked lungs, checked heart, ECG, everything they could. And they were saying that there's like 
there's nothing physically wrong. So it's probably something that could be related to uh, like mental health issues, which was like a big wake up call for me because I didn't even feel stressed at a time, but my body was still showing symptoms that I had been going a bit too hard. So yeah, like worrying for me, but at the same time, good wake up calls. So to everyone listening, just like be mindful of yourself, look out for the signs and also like health is more important than anything else. Gosh, Alan, that's phenomenal for sharing that because I think so many people, you know, they don't talk about that and you just talk about your success, but like work has such a massive impact and we can't separate ourselves. You know, we wake up, we see our desk, we have our dinner, we see our desk and it's, it's really hard to separate that. So obviously, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and if you are open to it, in case anyone else is, is going through that, is there small kind of actions you're taking each day to get that that 1% kind of um, less stressed, I guess? Um, yeah, no, very good question. And what I can add upon this as well was that I just came back from a one week vacation when I started feeling this. Like I had had one week where I was by the sunbed reading a book a full week and still these kind of like symptoms came very short thereafter. Um, and what I realized as well, that it doesn't have to be a lot of stress or super major things that can hit you. For me, it was coming back after a chill vacation, having a lot of emails, things, a lot of planning to do. Just all these small factors impacted me very much. Um, so I think that just like, first of all, be mindful that it can be smaller things building up and not just massive things. Uh, what I've been trying to do is probably put my phone uh, down um, in the evenings to just relax a bit from all notifications. I realized getting too many notifications rests me a lot. Um, but then also to journal a lot, uh, do meditation and mindfulness every morning, and also being very firm in saying no to things at work. So saying no to things that I don't think is going to be relevant for me. If I don't have the time, I say it. So I try to be very mindful of my, my time and my energy. And um, we've said it a few times now as well, but it, it does have a huge impact uh, coming, like, sorry, waking up in your in your home, seeing your desk, as we say, like, basically just like work is there, right, in your home. And I feel like one solution to that is obviously going back into the office. But I'm curious to, to know more about, like, how do you both feel about going back into the office? Because I definitely have a twofold opinion of, like, I can like do schedule my day just the way it fits me right now. Like I can accept, like I obviously have to fit in my client meetings and things like that. But otherwise it's, it feels like a lot of freedom I have right now that might be taken away from me. If someone said you have to go in on Monday and it's nine to five. So how do you guys feel about that? So I think it completely pen, depends on the company. What's funny is so many companies take so many different approaches. So speaking from HubSpot's perspective, what you can do is you can go fully remote, you can go flex, which is you go in two days of the week and it's sort of like a hotel desk you book in, or you can go full time in the office, but that's still only three days. And when I first signed up, I said flex suits me perfectly. But over the last six months, I said, no, I, I need to go in kind of that three days a week. Um, but I feel very fortunate to be in the position that it is only three days and it's not a particular day or or five days a week. There is that level of flexibility. Um, and I think there would be element of talking to my manager to see what they're comfortable with me doing. Um, but it'd be great to hear what the perspective is with uh, Google and Pinterest. 
yeah, so our deal, let's say, but like what's going to be for us is that we're going to go back three days a week, probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think it's still to be decided. And then Monday, Friday, working from home. And I think I am really, really looking forward to social aspects. Like I love the fact that I'm soon going to be able to sit in the cafeteria with my colleagues and friends, bump into people at the coffee machine and so on. So that's going to be very exciting. But I think the flexibility is where it's going to hit me. Um, having to be in the same place from like eight till five, nine to six, depending on which showers you prefer, and just be there and work the full day. I'm so used to, you know, in the middle of the day, I throw a washing or I go for a walk or, you know, just like I have so much more flexibility to do the small little chores on the side as well, which are good small mental breaks. So I think that loss of flexibility will probably impact me in the beginning at least before I get used to being back in the office again. And I think, uh, I think Pinterest has a very similar approach to what you both said. Um, being in North America, I don't think that we will have the option to go into the office until beginning of next year. I think that's the earliest, uh, but I can't wait to actually, and this is just also because of the remote working piece again, but I can't wait to actually just meet people just because you walk past them in the corridor or like have a random coffee meetup with someone or stand in the kitchen making your lunch and you actually start small talking to someone. I think that's gonna be one of the things that, that I will, like that I do look forward to the most, um, but, I definitely agree with what both of you said, like the freedom piece of just being able to be at home. Uh, I think that that's just like grown on everyone, right? So, yeah. Um, but I actually, um, I read this study um, and it comes back to perhaps what you were talking about, Ellen, with that you were away on vacation and you got back and that's when you started getting these symptoms. And the study basically said that it doesn't necessarily even have to be about the work that comes in that stresses you. It's the environment of just like knowing and like your brain is preparing for that here. I'm usually stressed or here a lot of things go on and I have a lot of responsibility and like the list goes on. And based on that, I, I do feel like if I was to work from like fully remote, I would need my own office or I would need a place that is like moved away from my living room or my bedroom, you know, because that is my home and it, I'm supposed to be able to not connect it with work every single day. No, I was just gonna say that's very true. And the sad part is that I think that my phone has become like, you know, a work environment because obviously you have the emails there and everything. So even when I went on vacation, I did sometimes take off my phone and look at my email because it's just by habit and I was called out for it. And I'm like, yeah, I need to stop this. So even the fact that now our phones is the work environment that can stress us out is probably saying a whole lot of the world we're living in. So I wonder in that regard, um, do you feel like it's best to just delete Slack, delete email? Um, I know for this week of rest that we had, it's the first thing that I did on Friday. But what I also did to help with that fear, I think of it as Sunday fear, you know, right before the, the madness of Monday but just try to get as much stuff ticked off on the Friday as possible so that you can just close it and then Monday isn't too crazy. But sometimes, and I know that this maybe isn't best practice, but sometimes what also, it sounds a bit counterintuitive, is that signing in on a Sunday morning to clear the crazy amount of emails and kind of pointless emails and then just going in on Monday with 
just the emails that you need to act in then. I do feel like that sometimes helps as well, but I completely understand people that would just totally rather switch off completely for the weekend. So I think it's all about finding what's right for you. And I think we're lucky in the sense that, and from what I heard from both of you, you have managers that are very like aware of, of mental health and push you to like take time off or relax when you are off. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm extremely lucky in the same situation now as well, where my manager has told me that because he has two small children, he will work later hours. But then he basically reiterated from day one not to get back to his messages if he messaged me after 9 p.m. or like 8 p.m. or whatever it could be. Uh, and just like he would never, ever think about that I wouldn't get back to him if it's after work hours. And I think that we're very lucky in that sense because some people might feel that pressure from their manager then it is harder than to turn off slack versus my kind of little like the things that i have done uh, has been to because we have two workspaces on slack we have a she sells two one and we have a i have now the pinterest one i just switched over to the she sells two one when i'm not working so that i will get notification from you guys but i won't get notifications from work for example and then i don't have work email uh on my phone so that's just the actions I've taken because I've seen with myself that I can't really handle having the apps on my phone because I do check all the time. Uh, and that's just something I had to learn the hard way from working from home. Even just outside of work, I've been listening to a new podcast. It's called Bouncing Back by James Middleton. And he's a fitness coach and he talks a lot about obviously the food we eat and how that impacts our, our mood, our energy, et cetera. But he said that consumption shouldn't be solely focused on diet and what we eat it's actually about how much we consume in a work balance or or in a work life or on Instagram or the people that we follow or what we watch on YouTube so I never would have thought of that stance before but if we you know promote a healthy lifestyle and we like to think of someone that is healthy we also need to take into consideration how much we're consuming both work from emails and slack but also what we're seeing online um, so I definitely think that gave me a lot of food for thought as well. So if we're deleting Slack and Gmail from our phone, we should also think about what we're consuming on our social medias to again, help us hopefully live that, that less stressful life. And I realized as well that, you know, like with the consumption as well, like we do think that we are getting a lot of good ideas and knowledge from what we consume, whether it's YouTube, podcast, um, Instagram and so on. But I actually listened to a book the other day where a kid had told her mom, she's like, mom, the shower is so amazing. I get so many ideas in the shower. Why do I always get my good ideas in the shower? And the mom was like, well, that's the only time you're not staring at your screen. That's the only time you don't have anyone else jumping into your conscience. And like, I, I heard that I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like you have to shut off to get good ideas to really get your brain functioning. So I even stopped listening to podcasts and audiobooks in the mornings when I go for my walks. Before I loved to do that because it was a good way for me to get extra resources into my head. And now I use that time instead to just be and I realized that it really helps my mind to start to work. Like I solve so many problems just on my 30 minute walk each morning. So something I think is quite interesting as well that less consumption can help us with that too. And I think to add on to that, it is interesting how the the social media image or the the professional how you are like a successful professional working human being is that you basically and we all read these like images or 
memes or whatever it could be, but that you get up and like you go for a run whilst you listen to a podcast about what you're going to work about all day. And then you basically like run your own podcast and then, you know, you start working and then you work all these hours. And then like, so every single piece of your life, even if it's for a run, which I do very often without music or without listening to anything, because that is how I shut off my brain kind of thing. Even that for me, I'm like wasting time because I'm not learning something or listening to an insightful podcast about something or, and so forth. And it's interesting to me that that's kind of what society is and like, you're never allowed to just do nothing. Yeah, this whole like efficiency bubble is crazy. Like I can even, you know, try to fit in something that I should do if I have five minutes between my meetings. It's like, you could just sit there for five minutes and do nothing too. But I try to answer an email or I try to, you know, like look something up. So I think we have to yeah, calm down on the efficiency of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, especially now when I'm, on, on, I'm onboarding and I was talking to someone else at Pinterest about this the other day, but it's normally they give you basically a ramp up time of like a year before they start looking at like, okay, where should you be right now? And things like that. But she was saying, which I really like something I really took away from was that don't we we don't really accept things like that ourselves. We're just like, oh, nope, two months, I should be there or like three months, I should be there. I should be perfectly fully taught by now. And just like kind of giving yourself that time, uh, as you said, like between meetings, just because you're new uh, and I need to like learn this myself. It doesn't mean that I can't just do nothing for five minutes. You know, it's just like, OK, maybe I need that time to perform better in that meeting versus like that's probably what a lot of people do, especially when you're on board remote, is just putting that full on pressure on yourself of just like every minute counts kind of thing. Yeah, and I think you need time to process everything that you learn as well. And uh, just by example, like I had a really good coaching session with my manager yesterday. Um, and then straight after the session, I had a hard time remembering what it was that he said. And I'm like, we said so many good things. Why can't I remember it all? But then in the evening, I sat and journaled and all of it came back to me. I'm like, this is what we discussed. This is what I learned. These are my next steps. But I needed that full day of just really letting it sink in. And then I was remembering it better than just like 10 minutes afterwards. So I think we do have to allow ourselves for some time to process everything that we learn and hear about too. Yeah, because I, I wanted to hear more about that and like bring in back to that you, you spoke to your manager because you presented recently to to women in like women in sales or around women in sales and allyship for for marginalized groups ellen and i i wanted to just like give a minute to talk about that as well and if you wanted to speak to it yeah thank you so much no it's actually yesterday even which is very exciting um we have a big uh di focus um in my region and it's also one of our okrs that people should educate themselves more on di and um it's called like hashtag it's up to me that it's up to people to educate them more so my manager asked me to come in to speak to one of our team meetings um gave me fairly free range in talking about women in leader uh, women in sales what is that we're doing um, so it's really good. Like I spoke about a lot of our early learnings, you know, with the need for perfection, imposter syndrome, lack of role models, everything that we've been seeing as blockers for women in sales. And then I also talked about allyship and how we 
having GSOS to as a platform that we also think that we're responsible for helping all women in sales and especially like women in marginalized groups that are going into sales. Um, so it's really fun. Uh, got a lot of uh, good feedback from the team, a lot of interesting discussions. So I think it was yeah really interesting like for myself to be able to hold a presentation about um, BI, which is obviously a very important subject, but also good to get the chance to hear the team's reflections and um, some feedback around our presentation too. So it's very, very exciting. I love the accountability piece there because sometimes what I find for DNIs, you might just have a presentation that's presented to you, but it might take a while to absorb or you might leave the meeting and maybe be focused on work. But the fact that it's up to you to actually go and educate yourself, I think a lot more people will go and they're probably going to find a wealth of knowledge out there, stuff that they never would have found before taken away from a presentation. So I love that accountability piece. And I think it's so important for every company globally that each individual is held responsible to educating ourselves further. Yeah, and I'm curious to hear like more on like you said that a lot of people were like interactive and what do you think was it that made them so interactive with the presentations? Because like I find especially throughout COVID and Zoom fatigue, a lot of presentations and even though I find it super interesting, they end in like no questions or no discussions because people kind of just got out of another Zoom meeting and heading into the next. So yeah, what do you think prompted most thoughts and, and what made people engaged? Well, partly I would say that we're very close and small teams. Everyone knows well, uh, knows each other well, which obviously helps. But I think also that within these subjects, there are no right or wrongs. There's a lot of discussions to be had. So we did have some good dis uh, discussions about um, the need for perfection. What can managers do to help uh, women out there um, to not feel as need of perfection within their work to still feel that they can contribute. Um, so I think that created a lot of discussion also around um, allyship and uh, which um, kind of events in the world that initiatives like ours should be focusing on. Like, um, should we discuss uh, political events as the Black Lives Matter or is that too political and should like an initiative like us instead take a step back and not comment on these things? So we did speak a lot about where um, the, the responsibility lies and how much responsibility um, DEI initiatives should have for um, commenting on different political events. So a, a lot of interesting discussion. I think it's just a subject that no one really has any good answers to so there's always a bit of nuance to it yeah and i think that that is just one of the most important things for us as well as a team to to know where to focus and when and what to highlight and what to talk about and i think that we've learned just like that is a hundred percent one of my biggest learnings throughout the last year uh, as well um and with that said we'd love to continue just like a conversation like this and about if any of you who's listening out there has any ideas topics that you think that we should highlight more talk about more in the next podcast we promise it won't be six months until the next time so please let us know um, and it was really really lovely to to catch up with both of you guys again and yeah with that we'll probably wrap up this uh, this podcast lovely speaking with you two girls have a great day and a great summer Hey, lovely speaking with you girls. Have a good day. Bye-bye.